Welcome to Off the Board Sports. We are three professional sports handicappers. In each podcast episode, we will give three to five free sport picks to our listeners. We will also dive into the hottest sports topics around the globe and offer our opinions. Let's get right into our show before our picks are taken off the board. Good morning on this September 9th, 2023, and welcome to another edition of Off the Board Sports. Your number one source for free sports picks daily, hitting at 64%. We also have a paid service. Email us at offtheboardsports at gmail.com. We also dive into the world of sports topics and offer our opinions way better than everybody else. Again, we are three professional sports handicappers, giving you a whole different perspective of on sports opinions. Again, out there, if you can't bet on a living doing this, you should have no opinion. Let's dive right into it. Actually, we're going to on this NCAA football center. We're actually going to kick off with a different sport in the tennis arena, as we see at Novik Dokovic has now advanced to another Grand Slam final in the U.S. Open. It was not his time, Sheldon, the young U.S. talented player. And in the other semifinal, you can say it was a big upset. Medidoff advances to the final again as he will rematch Dokovic from a few years ago as he took him down, as he took down the Wonder Kid, Juan, and Carlos Alcaraz. I have to say, I was watching this match, Juan, I think the big difference in this match is Carlos would struggle to keep serve, and Medidoff did not struggle to keep his serve. Yeah, well, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit about that part on what you just said about Medvedev, but I'm going to go back to this upset. Yes, it was an upset. It wasn't a big upset. If you look at the lines, a lot of people didn't really give Carlo, uh, excuse me, Medvedev a chance in this matchup. But, you know, this he's a dangerous player. You know how far he plays back on the return game. You know, he has a big forehand. He has a big serve. We'll get in that in a little bit. But you look at how this mat- match went. I think it was really in the first set. Um, you know, when people go to a tie break in tennis, you get that extra momentum. And a lot of people, and they look at the safe points for Medvedev in that first set. He was uh, four out of four. He was eight out of nine for the entire match and save points. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz, he did not uh, make his opportunities when he had Daniel Medvedev on those break opportunities. So that's what uh, was a big, big part in this match that I thought Medvedev did extremely well when he he faced those break points. But I go back to the tie break. Uh, you know, I think if Carlos Alcaraz wins this tie break, he's riding high on momentum with a one zero lead. But Again, Medvedev, he won the tie break, so that gives him that extra momentum. It's all about momentum in tennis. It goes to the second set, and you saw Daniel Medvedev really ride that momentum, really dominate that second set. And then, of course, Carlos came out in the third set, played extremely well. You know he was going to play a lot better than the first two sets. But a lot of people don't realize how good Daniel Medvedev is. He has one grand slam on his career in this U.S. Open, beating Novak. And he's had success against Carlos Alcaraz. Now the head-to-head is 2-2. Two to two. But, Marco, did you see it the same way? I thought uh, Medvedev did extremely well on the first serve. I'm just going to get into the percentages. Uh, Carlos' return game on the first serve was 15 out of 83. That was uh, only 18%. He really took care of that. And uh, you saw Carlos get frustrated. You saw him not really do a lot on those uh, first serves from the big Russian. Yeah, Medvedev uh, served well, as you both mentioned. Uh but you look, you talk about the tiebreak, and I totally agree. It could have gone either way, and the momentum did go for Medvedev, and he gets the break early on in the second set, and a double break later on in the set. Uh, but I thought Medvedev was a better player yesterday. Uh, Alcaraz was uh, 
trying to volley and serve a lot. It worked in spots, but Medvedev hit some tremendous shots in return games. So um, I know everybody was picking Alcaraz and in this tournament, including both of you, I believe. But uh, Novak will be chasing 24. Medvedev. Yeah, I'm going to just quickly uh, get in that match quickly. You know, Novak, a lot of people are thinking okay. this is just a, a, a smooth win for him like yesterday. But, um, yeah, I know you, you hate Carlos Alcaraz. I think you've said that many occasions. But, um, yeah, just continue on to how you thought the match went. Uh, maybe it was better. Yeah, I played him in every uh, aspect, and uh, Alcaraz did some good things in spots, but uh, just got outplayed yesterday. Maybe it is a great player as well. I think a lot, a lot of shocking things, and uh, Juan, if you want to get into the next match, if you guys want to talk about the Sheldon-Novak uh, match, but I was... People are what underrate Medvedev. I think is his game to be able to cover. He covers a lot of ground. Yeah. Well, he plays so I mean, bad. He, he's yeah, the furthest player to, on the return game. He plays almost near the the crowd. Yeah, uh, how far? That's why Carlos Alcaraz could not get any aces yesterday. He had zero, and you know he has a big forehand. He's six six. He, he hits the lines, and uh, you saw that yesterday. He really uh, controlled a lot of those rallies. Yeah, let's get into the next match. Novak Djokovic. Uh, he shatters the wonder kid, the U.S. Uh, dream. Uh, Hope and Sheldon, it wasn't its time. I know there's. I mean, I know there's some discussion after the match. It was like, yeah. maybe some hot blood already starting here to brew between these two. Marco, how did you see this match? Well, Sheldon's a young kid, 20 year old, plays with a lot of flair, uh, and his team and his coach and his dad does as well. Very vocal as well. But I think mm-hmm. Dovac took a little exception to that. The way the antics of uh, what Sheldon was doing in this tournament. Uh, but Sheldon, I predicted this a couple of years ago when he was 18 on the circuit. At uh, the ATP, ITV uh, tours as well. Juan, I know you predicted Alcaraz, but I said Shalom was going to be a top 10 player, and he's a strong left-handed kid. He's got a tremendous forehand, a lot like a Alcaraz in that regard. Got a, one of the best serves I've seen in a very long time. He hit 147 in this tournament. That was one of the fastest serves ever recorded at the Open, but kids has a bright future. But again, when you're playing the GOAT, it, you ain't going to beat him. You know, he, he handled the first two sets easy. You give Shallon credit, though, in that third set. You know, you don't usually see Novak having trouble after a 2-0 uh, lead, but uh, he got broken a couple of times, particularly when he was up 6-5, that Shallon forced the tiebreak. But then Novak's record in tiebreaks, 25-5 now after winning yesterday. So, again, great effort. Kid's going to be a top-10 player like I predicted, but uh, he ain't going to trouble the greatest player that's ever played the game. Yeah. Well, there's really nothing to get into this match. Yeah. And, you know, Novak was going to win this match. He got in some trouble in that third set, but he prevailed as he usually does. But, yeah, um, just about the road to the final for Novak, he, he, it was just a dream come true. Probably one of the easiest he's had in his career, if you look who he's played. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, I love Novak Djokovic. There's no question about that. And a lot of people think uh, uh, pe- people don't like him, but he still is the GOAT. But um, I think it's just going to go back to I don't really really want to recap this match. Like I said, it was a, it was an easy cruise for Novak. Yeah. I mean, the kid didn't really stand a chance. He did show some uh, resiliency in that third set, but you're not going to beat Novak. I there mean, you it's go. Just that, it's just that simple. There you go. Uh, big uh, final tomorrow, Medvedev against Novak Djokovic for the final Grand Slam of this year's tennis. And let's see if Novak, arguably the GOAT, there's going to be a lot of disagreement from a lot of people. But well, I still there's no he's doubt he's one of the two best. He's definitely better than Federer. Uh, Nadal, well, will live to fight another day. I mean, he's missed about three full years in his prime, so a lot of, lot of grand slams left on the table. Let's kick into our first round of free plays. I'm going to kick it off in the baseball arena. 
I'm going to go with the Orioles plus 130 in their matchup today. I just think right now they're riding high five in a row. Uh, sales on the mound for the Red Sox. I think they get to them right now. The Orioles right now trying to hold on that lead in the NL East playing great baseball. These guys, these young kids are just, I'm telling you what, Marco, if you want to comment on this as well, these yeah. guys, they just come timely and timely hitting them. These guys just hit in crucial situations. We'll see if it uh, translates to, to the playoffs, though, yes. because a lot of time these teams just seem to go cold in playoffs, and that's for another day. But I'm taking the Orioles plus 130 to beat the Red Sox today in Fenway Park, 410 yes, Eastern Standard Time. Yes, certainly. And you guys out there, like I said, I had 25 to 1 for the Orioles to win the division. That looks good. Uh, but yeah, you want to get my thoughts on it? I'm going to give you my thoughts real quick. Uh, yeah, they're a very good team, and no one keeps uh, regarding uh, as them not being a very good team, but they've been solid all year long. And I think I uh, will continue into uh, October. But let me get in my free pick. Uh, I don't know why you brought that up about me getting my thoughts on that. But uh, I got Utah minus seven. I'm not afraid uh, to lay the seven here at, at Baylor. Uh, you like Kyle Winningham. You know this Utah's defense is for real like they always are. Uh, Baylor, we all know what happened last week, losing as a big favorite. Uh, I expect them to play a lot better. But, again, Blake Shapin's out of this one. They're starting quarterback. They're going to lean on Richardson or excuse me, Sawyer, the young freshman, and when that's just a disaster with this Utah defense. They're just going to pin their ears back, get the guy in long situations. Uh, I think Cam Rising, uh, doubtful, he cleared for contact last week. Uh, did not play in Florida, as we all know. We knew they went to that two-quarterback system. Uh, we all know that they played pretty well, but I want to see Utah get that dominant running game going. I think they will against that Blake Baylor defense today. I like a minus seven on the road. Yeah, that's a good pick as well. I'm going to get into my first free pick. It's going to go back to the college football uh, gridiron. I'm going Miami at home against Texas A&M. I really love this line where it sits at right now. It's plus three. I'm going money line at plus 135. I think the Canes at Hard Rock Stadium today. Mario Cristobal, second season as a Miami head coach. This is what they got him for. He's to win these big games, to pull off these upsets. And I like the matchup. I need to look at Texas A&M, the quarterback, wingman. Uh, he's solid, but I'm not really sold on him yet. I like Tyler Van Dyck in that matchup. And again, I like the Canes running game with Paris Jr. and Fletcher Jr., um, who had a good opening game against Miami, Ohio, both 10 carries for 100 yards. But I think they're going to really rely on that against the A&M stout defense. I think, again, if the Canes are going to have success, they can uh, stop the running game. They have some big D-line men themselves. But I think they're going to have to get pressure on Texas A&M's quarterback and, and send different looks at him throughout the four quarters. If they do that, the Canes will be okay to pull off this upset in uh, uh, week two. There you go. Speaking of week two, it's week two of the CU Boulder Hoopla, the extravaganza, all the world in college. I mean, you you wouldn't even think Texas and Alabama were playing this week, but that's the way things are going on right now. And the Deion Sanders hype and the Deion Sanders love that he's getting from all the critics, even from Good Morning America yeah. you know, outlets that don't even have anything to do with sports. We got poor little Nebraska coming in to town into Boulder. I tell you what, it's somewhat seven, seven and a half point swing uh, when it, this line opened up just on the win that Colorado did against TCU. Uh, guys, uh, what are your, some of your thoughts? Well, I'm going to lead off with you. Yeah. Do you see some value here in the Nebraska Cornhuskers? I absolutely do, but some things have never changed in Nebraska. You saw in week one when they were up that whole game against Minnesota, they still found a way to lose that game. I mean, you saw Jeff Sims, a transfer from Georgia Tech, 
threw an interception late and gave the Gophers a game-winning field goal as time expired. But they gave up uh, 10 points in the final 232 minutes. They cannot do this on the road today against a very good Colorado offense. But, you know, Colorado, you talk about the Good Morning America. You talk about Deion Sanders. This is getting into a a big-time soap opera down there in Boulder. And you talk about the seats average that's come up with a big prize, $400, I'm hearing, just for an mediocre seat in this game. It was up by 70%. Uh, But I I like Nebraska in this game. I really do with Matt Rowe. I think Jeff Sims plays a good game. I think if they can control the clock, you know, Nebraska likes to go slow. Um, Colorado's going to go extremely fast like they did against TCU, but if Nebraska can control the tempo, they'll be okay in this game. People need to tend to forget Colorado's not a very good team, and, you know, they beat TCU, and everyone's going to jump on them now to be that expectation to win every week. But it's not going to happen. Nebraska wins today. Uh, Marco, let's let's see how many uh, Hollywood stars from Tinseltown and all the stars that were at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium yesterday probably have flown down and now go to Boulder today just yeah. to watch this. I mean, I bet there's going to yeah. be serving a lot of celebrities you've seen over here on these CU football games. Yes, uh, certainly so. But Juan is completely right, and I totally agree with this as well. I, anyone who thought that Colorado this year was going to suck was an idiot, first of all. They had a they have big old turnover from last year. We all know what they did on the defensive and offense and the transfer portal. I already knew coming into week one against TCU they were going to be a lot better. And it was very evident early on in the first couple of drives. We know when you get a star quarterback like his son Sanders, he's going to put up points. Uh, but I like Nebraska. The only reason why I don't like Nebraska in this game, and normally I would like the road dog here in this spot, but uh, they're missing their top receiver and one of their best receivers that Nebraska has. And he got injured against Minnesota. That torn ACL. He's out. Uh, but I think Nebraska's defense really will be yeah. uh, keen on slowing down Sanders. We know that Colorado likes to go fast, or at least in the first game of the season they did. No, they'll be going fast uh, yeah. today. And we'll see what Hunter, we know what he can do on both sides of the ball that everyone keeps talking about as well. You go in the buffs. Uh, but Colorado didn't have a whole lot of success on the running game against TCU. You know, they had 500-plus yards, and a lot of it came through the air. But TCU is not known for playing defense in the Big 12. Uh, but I'm looking at Nebraska's defense. I want to see if they can really slow down this high-powered uh, Colorado offense. If they do that, they'll have an excellent chance because Colorado's defense is not good. We saw that against TCU where they exploited them on the run game and passing game. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to be looking for, Colorado, uh, Excuse me, Nebraska's D-line, uh, to put pressure on Sanders and see if uh, they can uh, generate maybe a couple turnovers there. Get ready, Boulder. I know you're a little small, the beautiful town up there in north of Denver, but get ready to turn in the uh, Hollywood during the football season. It's going to be interesting to see when they go and play like teams like UC and all that, to see all the celebrities are going to be out there yeah. claiming that they're Colorado Buffs in the first place, but we yeah. know that is not true. Let's get into our second round, second pick games. Juan, lead us off with your second pick of the day. Yeah, it's going back out in Tinseltown, USC, Stanford for this Pac-12 matchup. I really like Stanford in this matchup. A lot of people are going with the Trojans to lay the egg on minus 30. I'm going Stanford. Um, a lot of people think about this matchup about a year ago. The previous years have been not close. I think Stanford uh, plays with a chip with their shoulder. Nobody really gave them a chance in week one when they went to Hawaii. They played an excellent game. They we're negative 10 on the ground for the Hawaii Rainbows. I know that's the Hawaii Rainbows, but they did an excellent job <laughs> shutting it down. But I'm going Stanford today. I think the quarterback of Daniels, the UFC uh, defense is a leaky. We've seen it against San Jose State. We've seen it against Nevada a little bit. But this is a better team than Nevada. Stanford will put up points, and then they'll cover the 30 in this matchup. Yeah, that's a good pick. I think uh, Stanford uh, got a new regime going there. They look good in week one. We'll see what they can do against this, a really good opponent in SC. 
Uh, but uh, looking forward to that matchup. I want to see what Daniels can do. I think yeah. they can put up some points, though. Yeah, I think too. the number will be too high. But I'm going to get in my second uh, free pick. I'm going also to the Pac-12, a late-night game out in Pol- at the Palouse, Wisconsin on t- and Washington State. I'm going the under here, 58.5. I think that's a little too high in my opinion. I think a lot of the books are reacting to the first week. Uh, the, some of the Pac-12 uh, teams putting up nearly 60 points, but I think Wisconsin, they met last year in Madison. We know that Washington State beat them 17-14 in a tight defensive game, but Wisconsin really dominated that game. Time of possession, 38-21. to I think they go on the road this day with Luke Fickle with that a great running attack that they did in week one against Buffalo and last year as well, and they really milk the clock, slow the possessions, and Taylor Ward, who had an excellent week one at Colorado State, uh, but I think uh, this game will be going flying out of the total, in my opinion. Yeah, this is going to be an intriguing matchup yeah. out Big Ten versus Pac-12, and I love the matchup as well. I'm leaning more towards the home dog in this matchup yeah. with Washington State. But, yeah, um, let's keep it going here. you have anything else to chime in on this game? No, no. no I, actually, it's going to be exciting. But, hey, we, we are in our last segment. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we have a big game tonight. Or you wouldn't know it if you're watching all the shows out there. Texas, Alabama, big test. See who's real. And this matchup, did you guys even know these two teams were playing? I mean, I, I didn't, but anyway. Uh, Texas and Alabama. Of course, again, we have our paid services, and actually we do have a pick on this. So I d- without further ado, I just want you guys to talk about which, since some of the keys of what Texas has to do, what Alabama has to do. In this matchup, uh, whoever wants to uh, you know lead off to see who... Who you guys? I don't want you guys to really say who you like, but just some of the keys of the game. Yeah, I think for Alabama, one of the two, one of the biggest key for me is their two starting corners are very doubtful in this game. Uh, I think that's going to be big if they're not able to go. We know that Texas has that high uh, attack on the offensive side, uh, but we, I want to see what the quarterback play you do with Milrow. This is going to be his first test against. Uh, top 15 team in Texas who comes in, and a lot of people think they can win this game. Uh, we know what you, how Ewers played a year ago in this game, played very well until he went out uh, in the, late in the third, uh, before halftime. Uh, but we'll see what the running attack entails for Texas as well. Uh, we know there's no bar John Robinson. They're going to rely on Blue, and we'll see if they can get that going and being uh, balanced against Alabama. Juan? Yeah, I'm going to go what Alabama has to do. You know, a lot of they feel disrespectful in the college yeah. football world, especially what Georgia's done over the last two years in the SEC. And now a lot of people are thinking Texas can trouble them at home. Um, I don't really see it. I think uh, it's going to come down to the QB play. You talked about Monroe against Ewers. Ewers going to uh, <clears throat> this hostile environment in Brian Denny Stadium. Um, I don't see it. I, I think Alabama, uh, the line is low here. I think this should be around double digits. I think Texas, you know how well they played against them last year, but I think Alabama uh, makes a statement today at home. They're still here. They're still going to be a very competitive team for the playoffs and in the SEC for that matter. But um, Texas, just defense, if they have a chance in this game, will have to win the turnover battle, in my opinion, especially on the road in this environment. They're going to have to uh, be really good on third down. They're going to have to stop Alabama on their third downs and uh, get off, make them a short yeah, drive. Keep Monroe at bay on the on the running game as well. There you go. You have an action-packed Saturday. You have your five plays. Again, hitting at 64% costs you not a dime. Orioles on the money line. Utah on the points. Washington State under Stanford and Miami. Join us, join us tomorrow for tomorrow's edition 
of Off the Board Sports. Good luck to you and get these plays in again before they Thank do go off the board. Thank you for listening to Off the Board Sports. For any inquiries regarding our paid services, please email us at offtheboardsports at gmail.com. We invite you to follow us on Twitter at OtheBoardSports and Instagram at OffTheBoardSports. Thank you and best of luck.